0: Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional, and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started.
1: Hey team, welcome to episode 26, part 4 and the final installment of our chat with Warwick Schiller. In today's podcast, Warwick goes a little more into the two different styles that he calls the skills path and the relationship path and how to navigate the two. So without further ado, let's kick off our final segment of our conversation with Warwick. I just really enjoy chatting with you. (laughs) But I should be conscious of your time.
2: Um, Oh, like I said, I've got no time restrictions. (laughs)
1: Okay. Um, So if people want to learn a little bit more about how you've adapted your mindset, you're including that in your membership now.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I've, the last couple of years I've been stuck cause I haven't been, you know, I've been training horses for five or six, you know, outside horses for five or six years. And so I haven't, you know, I've got a lot of footage from different horse yeah. clinics, yeah, but I haven't had like video of starting a horse or whatever. And so I've, you know, I've left up a lot of the old stuff and we're just about to go, because what I've had, what I used to do, I call that the skills path and what I've yeah. been doing the last few years of relationship path. And, you know, with the skills path, you build relationship
0: mm-hmm. while,
2: by built by training skills. Because like I yeah. said, when you are working on little things and you get a little response and you release for that little response, that's that's part of that social engagement. And that's not human. I saw that. Yeah, um, And so the, you know, the, the connection I used to build was built on skills. These days I work on connection first. So it's it's a bit more like being a good friend.
0: Yeah. Okay. When
2: you first meet someone, you don't go over to their house and say, Hey, can I borrow your lawnmower? Hey, can I borrow your car? Hey, can I borrow your kids? Hey, can I borrow your fridge? You know, <laughs> it's not all about wanting something. Yeah, There's a lot of Mutual time hanging together, and you know what I mean. Yeah. But a lot of times with our horses, you show up, you want something. I want you to do this. I want you to do it. There's no, there's none of that. Yeah, becoming friends first. um But these days, I'm really, really trying to get people to do that because for the most part, it was funny when I was training horses for the public, I was talking to people like they're a professional horse trainer, whereas most people who follow my stuff have a horse at home, mm-hmm. and it's not until I come down this new path. But I, I think. You know, they haven't come in line with me more. I've, I've kind of come in line with yeah. where they're at more. But, um, yeah, all it's all on there. I'm, I'm just in the, the middle of reorganizing the whole thing. I'm going to take off a lot of the old stuff because I've had a couple of horses to come in and start that had some start or restart. Um, And so I've got, you know, more of the process of how I go about it these days. And it's not that much different. Yeah. But, but it is. <laughs> Yeah. It yeah. It's not a lot different, but it's different enough to make a huge, a huge difference. Yeah. And, you know, people want to look at, you know, if you look at anything on YouTube in the last couple of years, it'll reflect on where I'm at. And if you want to get, you know, I've left all the other YouTube videos, I've taken some down, but for the most part, all the YouTube videos I've made, I've left them up. Yeah. Because not everybody's ready for this. I mean, yeah. some people just want their horse to be obedient. And if you think about it, safety's first. Yeah, everything else comes after that. So if if you know if you just have to work on obedience to make him safe, great. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like Sir Richard Branson says: in order to break all the rules, first you have to learn all the rules. And I think <laughs> yes. learning how to train a horse to be obedient is mm-hmm. kind of where you 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 know you stay safe and you and you start to learn all the rules because yeah. this relationship stuff, it's kind of rule breaking stuff.
1: Yeah. Like it it's is.
2: giving the voice, you are allowing a horse to say no, if he wants to.
1: Yeah.
2: And when you allow a horse to say no, you they have say to be no very, a lot. <laughs> well, that too, but you all, well, not necessarily. You have to be very careful of the questions you ask. Yeah. If you're going to allow a no answer, you can't ask questions that are going to get you or your horse hurt. And then when they have a no.
1: Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, so you just have to be, you know, I think it's harder. It, it's, it's better in every way, but it's, it's not, it's, it's harder because I mean, you know, well, I was going to say it's harder because you're kind of going to look inside a bit more, but even doing what I used to do, like, if you think about it, I said, I wasn't brutalizing these horses, you know, they would have these bucking rearing bolting horses that come in, what I did differently than the people that had them a lot of it had to do with the mindset with which I approach things.
1: Yeah.
2: This is just what I'm doing now is just further along that mindset thing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, but I've, you know, I've left a lot of the other stuff up there because it's, like I said, you know, some people are ready for it. Some people not. And I'm not saying anybody ever has to get to this point. You no. know, there, was, there could have been a quite a possibility. I went through my whole life without getting to this point. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people who will. Yeah. And that's fine. And, and so I, I, for me, actually, it's been like you, you started on this stuff in your 20s. You know what I mean? For me, I was 50 and wasn't into this stuff. And now I'm 50. Or maybe I was 50. I'm probably at 48 or 49. Or something. Um, and so for me, thinking about things that way is in the not-too-distant past. So when I see somebody who is adamant about thinking that way, yeah, I don't judge them. I go, no. yeah, it wasn't very, wasn't was very long me. ago wasn't yeah. very long ago I saw that world exactly that way. And you know what? I was right. Yeah. At the time I was right. And so, you're, so it takes away that judgment. And really it takes away the judgment of anybody anywhere, really. You know, if I meet somebody who's a, you know, a, a vegan and won't wear leather, I used to think you're yeah. whatever, you know. And the, these days I think, you know what? I might be there one day. I, you know, a couple of years ago, probably four years ago, I, I read a book called Equus Lost. Well, I started reading a book called Equus Lost, and about halfway through this book, I put it down and didn't finish the book because I thought, you know what, if I finish this book, I might not ride horses ever again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's so exactly where I was. <laughs> and,
2: and, and, I, and I think at the time I also, and I probably won't eat bacon ever again, and I love bacon. <laughs> You know what I mean it was one of those sorts of books that was hitting me pretty hard. Yeah. I still have it and I'll I'll go back to it but I you know I think I, I what I struggle with a little bit sometimes is people who are enlightened. Yeah. Who are judging the people who aren't. Yeah. Cuz if you're enlightened and you're judging the people who aren't you are so not enlightened it's not funny you only yes. think you are you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, like I said before about the newly woke you know it's, I, I think I mean, it's, I don't know, it's human nature, I guess, to dive into this new thing and get all, you know, I had a about a week after that horse expo where I cracked open a little bit in front of all those people. I had a, had a thing about two weeks later, I was still back there. I was doing some clinics and I was staying at this guy's place and had a thing one night. It was a Saturday night of a clinic. We'd done the clinic. I went out to dinner. We went back to this guy's place. We're having a few drinks and sitting around having a chat or whatever. There's me three others. And, actually there was a therapist there that night earlier on and she asked me and she looked a lot like you actually kind of remind me of her. And she asked me some questions. We were just sitting around having a drink and she asked me a question. And then she just looked at me and looked at me and just did that therapist thing, you know, and I, anyway, she went, you know, her and her husband left and it was later that night that the rest of us were just sitting around having a chat. And all of a sudden, Brene Brown talks about this in one of her books. She says, I, I had a, I had a, a nervous breakdown. My therapist called it a spiritual awakening, but I thought it was a nervous breakdown. Well, I had, whatever that thing is, I had one. Um, and like the the whole room just tilted and my world shifted. I had a, if you ever seen that movie, the, the sixth sense with Bruce Willis and all of a sudden you realize he's dead. <laughs> oh, hang on. I knew he was, think about it. 10 minutes ago he's dead. I, I should have known it. It was kind of like that. Um I don't know where I was going with that. I think I was talking about judging people, but, but yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, you kind of get to where you don't really judge anybody where they're at. You help them if you can, if they want help, you help them. If, if they don't want help, may you be happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. Um, so we will put a link to your membership in the podcast notes um, and you go into the journey that you've shared with us on your podcast as well, go into that a bit more deeper.
2: Yeah, well, I have, so I have different playlists in there um, and one of them is called the human factor. And so there's all videos about that sort of thing. You know, my wife's done a lot of, she's done a bit of a deep dive into resetting the nervous system probably in the last 12 months. And so she shared, she's got a lot of videos on, excuse me, on there and stuff that, um, that she's done. You know, the thing about, it doesn't matter if it's training horses or it's this personal growth stuff or whatever Mm
1: -hmm.
2: is go easy on yourself. Like you can't, you're not going to get to the Olympics next year if you're (laughs) just starting. So, you know, there's an old um, dance saying that's really applicable to horses, but the dance saying says beginning dancers tend to take intermediate lessons and intermediate dancers tend to take advanced lessons, but advanced dancers take beginning lessons. And you know, a few years ago, I did the first clinic I ever did in Scotland. The guy that organised that clinic was a black belt in karate when he was a kid, and he said, "I thought when I got to be a black belt, I'd know everything." And then he thought, "And I get to learn all this cool stuff." And he said, "What happened was when he got to be a black belt, he said they didn't teach me anything new." And wanted to be a second degree black belt, I had to go back to the beginning, and relearn everything I'd learned with a black belt's eyes, because you can't learn it with a black belt's eyes the first time around. And so once, and that's bit what this Unalarm thing in my arm is about, but if you understand that, it takes a lot of the frustration out of like people go, Oh God, I had to go back to the beginning again. I'm like, you're supposed to, like, I I answer so many questions each day. People are frustrated because I had to go back to the beginning and I'm frustrated with it. It's like, why are you frustrated when you are doing it right? That's how it works. You are going to go back to the beginning. And so, and what you'll find is that the big things become easy Um, later on, I mean, it happens with, with everything, but I have been taking cold showers for a couple of years and I started out in Victoria doing clinics in January and it was 40 degrees. And that's when I started out doing cold showers, not because it was so hot, but it was easy to do the cold showers then, (laughs) but I just started out turning it down a little bit at the end. Okay. And every week or so I'd turn it down a bit more and then I got to where I could turn it down. And at the end, I turned it down for two minutes have two minutes at the end. It's completely cold. So that was a cup. I've been doing that for a couple of years. About a year ago, I bought a a deep freeze, chest freezer, filled it with water, and I have ice baths in it. And I usually have it about 8 to 12 degrees Celsius. So it's relatively chilly, and I get in for two minutes. And so I've been doing that for probably a year. It's every couple of days I'll get in, and here recently I had it. I got in it, and it was a bit too warm. It was like it was fifty six. It's probably about fifteen degrees or something or other. Oh, I got because I got to plug in, unplug it to keep it at the right temperature. So I plugged in. while I forgot about it. Forgot that I plugged in. The next morning I got in. I got in. I'm like, oh, cow, this feels cold. And I looked up, and it's plugged in. Well, you're not supposed to get in it when it's plugged in in case there's a short. You can get electrocuted. (laughs) So I jumped out. But I did have an ice bath. And it was colder than it had been. It was about six degrees or something or other. And that jump wasn't too bad. And then, you know, it got a bit warmer a couple of days and I plugged it in while I left it in too long. And I went to get in the other day and I, I um, had a look at the thing and it was zero. And so I made a video, I put it on my Facebook group. Actually, I made a video. I'm like, I'm going to get in this thing. And this is like, I said, this is like horse training is the things that you think would be impossible are actually hard by the time you're ready for them. And I said, I'm going to hop in this thing. This is. I normally, do it about eight degrees. I've done one at about six, but I'm going to get in this thing right now. And it was not hard at all. No, like that's lowering yourself into that thing and
1: <laughs>
2: doing my breathing there. It was cold. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like this is absolutely impossible
0: yeah. because
2: I was ready to take that, 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 that next step. And it's like that in your horse training. If you people try to take the next step too early. It yeah. always, it always goes downhill, but if you can just, um, you know, work on, and, and it's, and it's a mind, that's all it is. It's a mindset being able to work on the basics over and over and over and think, you not know, get anywhere. You know, I present every year at a horse expo in New Zealand called EquiDays and I meet some really cool people there, you know, other presenters. And a couple of years ago, there was a, a Dutch, Guy there named Rob Aaron. So Rob is the the coach of the Dutch Olympic team. So he's competed in four Olympics, and I think he's coached four Olympics. Coolest bloke you ever met. But he does a lot of clinics. And I said to Rob, I said, "Do you ever have somebody who you know is jumping, uh, say meter ten, and wants to jump a meter twenty when they come to a clinic? And do you ever get to go to a meter twenty or a meter fifteen? You know, do you ever get to go up from where they're at?" Never. No. <laughs> they want to go higher and they can't, you know, they obviously come to the clinic because they want to go higher and can't. There's always something missing in the beginning yeah. that's causing them not to go, not to go higher. I remember at the same expo the year before that, there was an Olympic silver medalist in the show jumping from Holland named Albert Vaughn. Very cool dude. And I went and watched his session on jumping a meter 50. Oh, actually, I did a session in that arena and he was on right after me. And they keep me pretty busy. Like, you got two or three sessions a day. And I had 45 minutes to watch the first 45 minutes of an hour and a half session on jumping a meter 50 before I had to go. And so I sat down, like, you know, what I wanted to do was watch an Olympic silver medalist teach somebody how to do something hard. Let's, because a meter 50 is a big jump. Mm. So the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, okay, I want to just for, for, education purposes to talk to other people about how the process goes i want to be able to say i saw this olympic silver medalist teach how to jump a meter 50 well i was there for 45 minutes they didn't go over a ground rail
1: yeah
2: he actually had him riding around one-handed he wanted to ride left-handed they had to be able to walk trot can left circles and right circles left-handed they had to be able to walk trot can left circles right-handed left so you know both one hand both ways one hand. he says because if you have to control your horse at this place. You're gonna run out of control, come a meter 50.
1: Yeah.
2: And I was and I tell that story all the time because I don't expect people to believe me. So I just tell stories about Olympic people, you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. it's all it's all the same stuff. It's once you understand that when you get stuck going forward, you've got to go back to the beginning and go through everything again. Once you understand that that is the path, that's you're doing it right. Yeah. then it's not hard to go back to the beginning. If you think you're not ever supposed to go back to the beginning, that's what brings in the, brings in the frustration is. Yeah. is so know, true. It's, the same, it's the same with meditating. You yeah. know, like I always say to people, you know, like at clinics, I go, or horse expos, I go, does anybody here meditate? A few people put their hand up and I say, anybody here tried to meditate and can't everybody sticks their <laughs> hands up and I go, okay, so I'm going to turn you on your ear in a minute. There's a, American philosopher named Wayne Dyer. And he says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And I say, okay, so let me guess. Well, let me ask you guys, why can't you meditate? You said you've tried and you can't, why can't you meditate? Oh, I can't get my mind to to stay still. My mind's too busy. I keep thinking about things. I'm like, okay. So, let me guess, does your meditation sound something like this? So you, you're going to sit down and you're going to focus on your breathing. You're going to focus on the air going in your mouth. You're going to fill your abdomen. Your abdomen's going to go down. The breath's going to go out your, out your mouth. So is that what you're doing? They go, yes, that's what I, do. I said. Okay. So does, this, does your inner dialogue sound like this? In through the nose, fill the belly. The belly goes down. The air comes out my mouth. In my nose. I'm hungry. I wonder what's for dinner tonight. I think I'm going to make chicken. I wonder what's that chicken when it was alive. I wonder it was a boy chicken or a girl chicken. And it's probably pretty easy to tell by the time they killed it. But what about when they're little and yellow? Like, how do you tell a boy from a girl there? You know, like ones you see at Easter time. Easter. I love Easter because I get to have chocolate. And I love chocolate. Oh, shit, hang on. I'm supposed to be thinking about my breathing right now. And they all go, yes, that's what happens. And I say, and, and right about then you go, I suck. And they go, yes, I suck. And I go, what you don't realize is if you think about, there's a spiritual dude named Eckhart Tolle. And he says, when you become aware that you're not present, you are present. And so I said, what happens is you start focusing on your breathing. Then you think about dinner You think chickens, boy, chickens, girl, chickens, little yellow chickens, Easter chocolate, oh, I just realized I'm thinking about chocolate instead of thinking about my breathing. Right, then you go, I suck. Whereas right, then you need to go, I just noticed that I was not present, which means I'm now present, which means I'm meditating. Yeah, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So right when you get to the point where you think you're failing, if you view it as failing, you'll give up. Yeah. Whereas if your view as, oh, I've got to go back to the start. And you think about, you might think about your breathing and then get lost for three minutes. But the next time you're going to get lost for two and a half minutes and then you get lost for two minutes and then eventually you can stay focused. But that's, you know, the point is being able to recognize when your thoughts wander. Yeah. Not judge yourself when your thoughts wander. That's a that's thing. Like, okay. Because that's people beat themselves up about it and it becomes that whole, oh, I suck. I can't meditate. And yeah. all these people that I ask, I say, so, you know, why can't you meditate? Oh, my mind's too busy. How do you know your mind's busy? Because you noticed it was busy, which means you're doing it right. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's and it's kind of the same with the horses. I mean, if you got to go back to the beginning, yeah, you're doing it right.
1: Yeah. Trying yeah. to
2: keep going forward is is not doing it right. You know, when yeah. you get to a when you get to a sticky spot, I mean, you know that.
1: Yeah, definitely. We um the well, like the way that I explain it to our students is it's like learning how to put a story together. You don't start as like the grade one student being able to write a story. You learn the alphabet and you have to learn a song to be able to remember the alphabet. And the alphabet has absolutely no meaning to you whatsoever. You're not taking that and constructing a story. But you get to a point where you have to come back and understand like the noises that the letters make so you get a deeper understanding and deeper meaning of the basics and the foundation so that you can
2: take that further yeah you know i clinics i talk about that quite a bit you know i talk about the movie rain man and i say so you know what was raymond's story and they said well he was a you know he was a autistic savant and i said what was he really good at and they said numbers and i said what was what what else is he good at or what was he bad at and they get kind of everything you know driving a car ordering a pizza whatever and you've got to be able to learn letters and numbers and then Everything is made out of letters and numbers, but you've got to be able to get those things down, um, you know, in the beginning. And like what you were just talking about, there's a saying that says, you know, letters make words, words make phrases, phrases make sentences, sentences make paragraphs, paragraphs make chapters and chapters make books. But, you know, you've, you've got to start out with the beginning.
1: Yeah. Ah, oh, absolute pleasure to talk to you, Warwick. Uh, we will add the links for your membership and your podcast um, YouTube channel. you just everywhere <laughs> to to the show notes.
2: Yeah, that'd be good. You know, yep. the I talked at the start of this about. Um, I said, you know, I'm not. I'm not the confident guy who, you know, you know, and I just wanted to say that none of the, none of the, none of this stuff that's happened to me was my idea. I've just been kind of, you know, years ago, I got asked to, so when we moved back to Australia, I got asked to do a running demo at at Equitana by running Australia. And Equitana was having that way of the horse thing. And they said, Oh, would you, if you're coming down, do you want to commentate it? Like do the in arena commentating? And so I did that, that was 2008, and I did that, you know, three days in a row, and that place holds three or 4,000 people when it's full, and it's always full for the way of the horse. So I got to explain what was going on in front of three or 4,000 people each day, and people liked how I explained stuff. So after Equitana, I got people calling me saying, would you like to come into a clinic for our club or whatever, you know? And my response was, well... You know, I wasn't really planning on doing clinics, but if you want me to do one, yeah. So the clinics weren't my idea, and then when I we moved back to America, I um, from doing the clinics, I realized that some people struggled doing some really simple things with horses, and so I kind of wanted to share that. So I started putting videos on YouTube to show some little simple things that could help people. And when you first start putting stuff on YouTube, you can't put more than ten minute videos on until you get a certain number of views, you know, I think just to stop people putting three hours of their cat chasing a laser pointer or something. You know. <laughs> yeah. And um, people wanted longer videos. And so then I had to go to this subscription based thing to be able to have longer videos. And so, you know, the, 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 the two things I do, the clinics and the subscription thing, neither of them were my idea. It yeah. wasn't like I said, Oh, I'm going to make a career out of this or whatever. Yeah. Um, they just happened to, to come to me and I, and I really think it came down to my ability to say yes. And so I would, I would, anybody that's listening, I would urge you to keep an eye out for opportunities and be open to stuff. And I'm, I'm I'm really big into manifesting and stuff like that. And, you know, I think the ability to think positively and you know, there's a, there's a book I read a few years ago called E Squared and it's about manifesting stuff. And the very, it's nine experiments to prove the manifesting. And the very first experiment is go online and imagine you got a raise at work. And so you can afford a new car. Go online and mentally buy yourself a new car. Pick out, make, model, color, whatever it is. And then for the next month while you're driving around, see if you can see any of those. And there, there's a lot of them. That exact make, model, and color of your car. If you've ever bought a new car, you'll notice that everybody else has got one. You didn't see them before. Then it said, okay, then what I want you to do is go online and give yourself a a cheap budget, you know, five or six grand or something rather, and buy yourself a junker car. Mentally, buy yourself a junker car. Year, make, model, color. See if you can. And then for the next month, see if you see them. They're everywhere. There's way more than there is of the new cars. And what it's trying to say is if those old junky cars are negative thoughts, if you're, think, you're looking for negative stuff, you'll find negative stuff. If mm-hmm. you're looking for positive stuff, you will see positive stuff. And so I think it's really, you know, it's the observer effect, but what you're looking for, I mean, whatever it is you're looking for is out there. You just have to choose what you're looking for. And the more aware that you become, the more you notice it. And yeah, I, I really, that that's kind of what got me to this point in time. It definitely wasn't careful planning or anything like that, but just, you know, thinking positively and, and looking for positive opportunities without sweating the small stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: i got a friend from Wales who has a saying. She says, intention, attention, no tension. So intention is
1: mm-hmm. thinking,
2: this is what I'm looking for. Pay attention to those things coming along, those opportunities come along, and no tension. But don't be like, but it hasn't happened yet. Why is <laughs> not it happen? You know what I mean?
1: I'm still working on the no tension. <laughs>
2: well you know what i i was born with a, a degree of apathy that's helped me in that yeah you know i yeah i think that's the no planning part of me has helped me with the no tension stuff
1: <laughs> i'll just say that a few people i know are like that
2: <laughs> yeah some some people we know are like that
1: yeah yeah <laughs> amazing thank you so much for your wise words and just spending time with us chatting really love talking to you um and just like checking in with where you're at now with with your horse training it's really amazing
2: <laughs> well, thank um, you and uh, it sounds like you <clears throat> sounds like you're well on the path so you know you guys that are listening you guys are lucky to have these two to uh guide you on your way
1: oh amazing thank you so much for your kind words <laughs> uh and we will Say goodbye for now and pop the links in the show notes for you to continue following Warwick's journey. Thanks for listening.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognise that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you. If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking they can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with legs and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, You will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you, especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience, building a connection with your horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners, no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma triggering training methods, register for our new training today at www.equestrianmovement.com forward slash connection. And I will uncover the three big mistakes you might
0: be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.